0: Let's turn to the text for the morning in John chapter 13. Now, we, we are in Family Emphasis Month here at our congregation, Bedford Street. Every September is Family Emphasis Month. So this month, instead of dealing with the physical family in terms of marriage and parenting and child rearing, we're dealing with the church as God's spiritual family, trying to understand better how God wants his church to operate trying to understand how we fit into the church and how we impact how the church is viewed. Now, I think we all recognize we are the church. The people, not the building. Uh, This building houses us. It provides a place for us together for worship and study and celebration. But we're the church. And tomorrow night, the church needs to show up. All of next week, the church needs to show up. And so there are times where we need to really uh, rethink what we, underst- uh, what we think we understand about how the church is supposed to operate. And I hope that one of the things that you are, you are getting is that we are about the Lord's business at times other than on Sunday. Don't let your church experience be just what happens Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. And then the rest of the week, you just do what you want to do. And then you come back next Sunday, and you do this, and leave for another week. And I am convinced that that is partly why the church is as weak as it is, because we don't live like the church away from here. We act like the church when we get them together. We're going to sing songs. Some of you are going to clap, and all that kind of stuff. You're going to hoop and holler. But what about hooping and hollering during the week? So you're demonstrating spirit-filled lives all week long. God is important to you on Sunday. He ought to be important to you on Monday and on Friday night and Saturday night. And if he's important to us all week long, then Sunday becomes a celebration. It becomes a day where we're excited to be in the presence of the Lord, but also excited to be in the presence of our brothers and sisters. Some of us act like... uh, This is the worst day of the week for us. We drag up in here, no enthusiasm, bad attitude, uh, maybe that's because you're hungover, I don't know. Bad attitude and all the kind of stuff. Don't want anybody to say anything to you. You guys need to understand, that drags the spirit down. That'll come up here with a smile and say hello to somebody every now and then and, 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 and show that there's, You're interested in being here. That will draw people. And that will give you a witness when you're not here. Because people who talk about their worship experience from an an exciting way attract other folk. They want to know what's so exciting about your church. Mine is dull. And you're speaking positively about ours. Uh, People want to come and experience it. So our topic uh, today is, what, uh, how does the church behave? How does the church behave? And I think the passages that we're going to be dealing with today help us to better understand, one, how God wants His church to behave, how God wants people to see the church. And then if we really listen closely and if we really let the Holy Spirit work in our lives, He's going to help convict some of us that we probably need to make some changes in our lives. And I thought that's what his job is to convict us, is to challenge us, is to motivate us, is to get us out of our comfort zone so that we do what God has called us to do. So how do you evaluate somebody who's on the Lord's side? How do you evaluate who's a Christian? I need for us to understand that too many times we evaluate who's faithful, who's a Christian based on external stuff. Stuff based on what you see on Sunday. And many of us act one way on Sunday, and that's the only time we act like that. The rest of the week we let our hair down. And if you really want to know us, you need to see us on Monday or Tuesday, not on Sunday. You guys, come on, you've been around... Uh, church folk long enough to know. Folk can act one way on Sunday, an entirely different way Sunday night. No wait till Monday. Is it sort of acting up Sunday night? So how do you evaluate who's on the Lord's side? Is it based on special clothing that people wear? You know, uh, we like to dress up on Sunday. Bring out our best. And you ought to come to worship service in your best. You ought to come presentable. But does that mean you're a Christian because you dressed up on Sunday? Some of you uh, like to wear all this religious jewelry. And, and at 8 o'clock, I ask the people, now how many of you got crosses around your neck? Uh, so, Sister Jordan, I see you already. You're trying to cover yours up. <laughs> but I see you got it hanging around your neck. Let me just come down here, scour the audience real quick. Uh, Ashanti, I see yours there. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm only using first names, so nobody knows who I'm talking about. You're pointing next door to your husband, so I guess that means he got a, a cross or something. You may got one painted on your body, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me come on this side. So today some of you are, are dressing like Christian women. You got things all the way up to your neck so I can't see you. But we'll get caught up on this religious jewelry as if. Okay, it looks like a heart you got, right? Yeah, you. Okay, all right, all right. Okay. Okay, somebody telling on you back there. <laughs> but, we, but we make assessments based on this, this jewelry that people wear, these hearts and crosses and all that kind of stuff. That's nice. But it doesn't indicate a person is a Christian. It doesn't indicate they just bought the jewelry. Or people who wear Christian-themed clothes like these T-shirts that have these wonderful religious sayings on them. Too best to be stressed. I'm anchored in Jesus. God is the head of my life. You've seen those kind of shirts. And they're nice. But it doesn't mean they believe the slogan that's on the t shirt. They may have bought it just because it's, it's a nice color or, you know, it's a nice expression. Or we've been behind people when we're riding in our cars and you see these nice bumper stickers where you got the fish sign on it. Uh, uh, Jesus is my co pilot. You guys seen those? I don't particularly like those. And Jesus needs to be a pilot. <laughs> You be the co-pilot. But, but I understand the sentiment that they're trying to get over. But it, it just think they need to change that a little bit. Yeah. Or people who carry Bibles with them. You see people who carry Bibles, these big old Bibles. Now carrying a Bible does not mean you read it. And it definitely doesn't mean you study it. It just means on this occasion you're carrying around a big old Bible. So all those things do not necessarily mean a person is a Christian. But a Christian will do some of those things, or all of them. But you've got to go beyond just the external to determine who's genuine and who isn't. So a Christian, or Christians are marked by our attitudes of the heart. See, the Christian is identified by internal stuff that comes out from, from us. It's a heart attitude. And too many times we don't take time to learn those things. We just make quick assessments based on how we look, how we dress, what we're wearing, or what bumper stickers on our car, or the color of the Bible uh, that we have. And by the way, we got a lot of people who leave their Bibles here at the building. Now, if it was an important accessory, I would think you remember to take your Bible with you. Okay, ladies, you don't leave your pocketbooks up in here. You make sure they go when you go. Why is it brothers? Because I see it more with brothers than I do sisters. You leave your Bible on on the seat that you're on. I got a good collection of Bibles in my office, so I don't even have to buy anymore because I'm using the ones you guys leave here. This one I've been using for the last couple of years. I didn't buy it. Somebody (laughs) left it in Milton. Somebody ought to use it, and so I'm using it. And I've been waiting for somebody to come and say, you know, I left my Bible. So that's just an accessory if you can just bring it and leave it and you don't even miss it. Transformation occurs or is a result of a changed life. And as Christians, as members of the body of Christ, as members of the church, you and I ought to have changed lives we ought not to act the way we did before we were a Christian. And one of the things that we ought to be able to see in our lives are the fruit of the Spirit based on Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23. And one of, those, one of those fruit or one of the evidences is love. You and I should be marked by the love that we have. And too many times we want to be marked by how much scripture I know. Or how many Sundays out of the year I go to church services? Or how much money I put in the collection plate? I got news for you. Jesus says you and I need to be marked by love. You don't believe me? Let's look at the text where he says here in John chapter 13. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you so that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the mark Jesus says that the folk ought to know us by is how we treat one another. Folk ought to be drawn to the church because members of the church treat each other so well that they want to be a part of a community where folk love on each other like that. That will get their attention instead of us leaving here talking about dogging church members. And so they said, what kind of church is that? Well, you guys come and sing those holy songs and all that, but then you leave there and dog each other. (laughs) We don't understand how we shoot ourselves in the foot. So now you need to learn how to be careful on them Sunday afternoon dinners that you have with folk. And you need to deal with folk who bring up discussions that are inappropriate to be had there. Because you will always have somebody weak in the spirit there. You need to recognize you're teaching them by what you discuss there. Mark chapter 12, verses uh, 30 through 31 reminds us that we need to love God and we need to love people. Those loves are tied together. If you don't love God, you can't love the people God created. If you you don't love the people God created, then you're not going to love him. And too much, we've been trying to separate to. I love God, but there's some people I can't stand. Okay, how are you going to do that? See, we need to learn, you got to change that. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse number 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. Guess how Jesus measures love? By how you obey him. Oh, I know that's a word we don't like to use, obey. But Jesus says, if you love me, You will follow my directions. You will follow my command. You won't pick and choose. Because in the world we live in, people pick and choose. And commands are not optional. They they, they are a requirement. Uh, John 15, 14 reminds us, if you want to be a friend of Jesus, you want to be a friend of his, you got to deal with what he says in Scripture. Too many people want to be a friend of Jesus, he's the head of my life, I love him, and all that kind of good talk, but you don't submit to him. Okay, think about the people who you call your friends. There's a connection there. You you get along, you know each other, you're willing to be vulnerable with one another. You share stuff with your friends you wouldn't share with anybody else. Sometimes you share stuff with your friends you don't even share with your family. How are you going to have this this relationship with Jesus where where we don't want to share with him? You need to know. He knows everything already. You and I don't have any secrets from Jesus. You can have secrets from the person sitting next to you. But you don't have no secrets from Jesus. So you might as well be gut level honest with him. Because he sees and he knows. Now in our text, the disciples are struggling with the fact that they know Jesus is going to be leaving. And the question becomes, how, how are we, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when you're gone? Who's going to take care of us like you did? And sometimes in our lives when, when relationships end or people die, we're out there trying to figure out, how am I, I going to make it? Who's going to care about me? And so Jesus indirectly says, when I'm gone, you guys take care of each other. That's what Christians do. We take care of each other because we love each other. He says a new commandment in verse 34, I give you. And the commandment really was not new, but there's some things that he says about this command that makes it new. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 9, we are reminded that the Israelites were told to love God. Back in Deuteronomy, Leviticus chapter 19, verse number 18, they were told to love their countrymen and love other people. So that had already been said. They would have grown up knowing that. So, what makes this commandment new? I'm glad you asked. And what makes it new is that there is a higher standard. And so the standard becomes Jesus now. You love each other like I have loved you. So, he raises the bar. You, you can't not like somebody because you don't, you don't like them, you don't like their behavior. They don't smell the way you think they ought to. They don't do what you say they ought to do. You got to be like Jesus. Sinners, sinners, and tax collectors flock to Jesus. Why? Because they sense he cared about them. They recognize, based on who he is, he doesn't care about our lifestyle. But Jesus cared about the person. And one of the things that we're going to need to recognize more and more as we try to be evangelistic is we're going to have to start caring about people. Caring about people who may be living lives you don't agree with. Who got issues that you don't have. But you need to recognize Jesus died for that person. So we have to find a way to evangelize. them. we've got to find a way to connect with them, to help them to see Jesus. Jesus can lead them out of that lifestyle. So that means we've got to be willing to be vulnerable. We've got to go into uncharted territory. And we've got to talk to people whose story is not going to be what we want to hear. But if we're going to be like Jesus, we've got to do that. But let me let you know a little secret. We've got to be able to do that with one another first. So if you can't do that with your brothers and sisters, you can't extend yourself to the brothers, it's going to be mighty hard to extend yourself to somebody else. So this new commandment has a higher standard, and that is that we've got to love like Jesus. You and I need to love the person sitting next to you the way Jesus does. Jesus loves you sacrificially. He was willing to give up his life for the world. What are you willing to give up or sacrifice or be inconvenienced for your brothers and sisters? We had some brothers yesterday who, because they love our congregation, were willing to sacrifice their time. Because on the third Sunday, we normally have our men's fellowship that goes for about three hours. Uh, some of us were here to almost 9 o'clock last night. Now, what do you think that kept folk here to 9 o'clock uh, last night, who were here from 3 o'clock or even 2 o'clock in the afternoon? L-O-V-E. They didn't get paid? Well, we did give them a little lunch, a little pizza. But I know that didn't make up for all the energy and all the muscle strain they had. They did it because they loved God and they loved the people of this congregation. And when you love God and you love the people of your congregation, you will do some things. You will sacrifice. You'll be inconvenienced. You'll put off what you had planned to do till later because this need is right now. And I know, sisters, hopefully you weren't mad at your husbands who, who stayed here a little bit longer. But there are just some times where our brothers need to come together and take care of business. They can take you out to eat another day. Trying to help you brothers who are here so your wives won't be mad at you. He did a good thing by being here. So you shouldn't have been fussing at him because he came home a little bit late. You and I cannot love, like Jesus is saying, without the Holy Spirit in our lives. Naturally, we are selfish and self-centered. So it is when the Holy Spirit is operating in our lives that we begin to learn how to sacrifice and be inconvenienced for other people and extend ourselves with no expectation that anything is going to be returned to us. Real love, agape, is doing what is in the best interest of someone else expecting nothing. It is doing good because it's the right thing to do. Not because you want something back in return. That's why it is important for those of us who are Christians to understand the Holy Spirit rules and reigns in our life. And if we ever want to live like Jesus says for us to live or the way he commands us to live, the Holy spirit got to be dwelling in you. You're not going to turn the other cheek unless the Holy Spirit is in you. Because some of you know as soon as somebody hits you, Your fists are coming up. So the only thing that's going to keep your hands by your side is the Holy Spirit. You go to some of these restaurants, and the service is not what you want it to be. The only thing that keeps you from cursing out the waiter is the Holy Spirit. And by the way, it's the only thing that makes you leave a tip also. It's the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise you just get up and leave. And so, and so Jesus helps them to understand, you need to treat each other this way because I did it for you. So now even if I'm not around you, you're still being taken care of because your brother will do what I do. That's significant. When some of us come from places where people, we didn't grow up in a kind and loving and nurturing home. And so you find your fulfillment in the church through Jesus. And so it becomes important that those of us who are members of the body of Christ, we behave a certain way toward you. Because I thought, where are you going to learn love from? By seeing it demonstrated within the body. By seeing it extended to you. So you can then extend it to somebody else. So I appreciate those of you who, on Sunday, you just invite folk over to your house to eat. That's a loving thing to do. Because some of us drive long distances to get here. And so it's it's nice that somebody appreciates, so you don't have to go out and try and find food. Come over to our house. And you guys know you dine sumptuously when it's free. That's, you need to see that, that's love that does that for you. Because those folks have spent a fortune, and you just come there and sit and eat and belch. (laughs) And some of you, after you've had that meal, you come up in here for evening service nodding. (laughs) Nothing but love. Nothing but love. And even if you don't come over these, some people open up the house and say, you can just come over, you know, and rest uh, between the services so you don't have to go back home. Nothing but love that causes them to be willing to be inconvenienced. Letting somebody come in their house, interrupting their routine. But it shows you're just that important. Now, I want to contrast this, or not compare, compared with what Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verses 4 through 7. So if we want a real practical lesson on love, we need to go here. Now what I want you to do as we work our way through this passage is I want you to check off these expressions of love that you are currently doing. I want you to check off the ones you're doing. Now the ones you're not doing, I want you to put a big X by it. Now, in order for this to work, you've got to be truthful. You've got to allow the word to find you out. And you've got to trust the Holy Spirit as he convicts you of what you're not doing. Because the reality is we're all loving to an extent. But let's get to where God wants us to be. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting verse number 4, the, the, ver- the Bible says love suffers long. Love is patient. Love is willing to be inconvenienced over and over and over. Are you willing to be inconvenienced for folk? Are you really patient with people? He says, love is kind. Are you willing to be gracious to other people to help them? And not just help folk that you like but it is just a mark of who you are. You will be helpful. You'll be gracious to anybody. That's love. He doesn't stop there. He says, love does not envy. Love is not jealous. Love rejoices when you're doing well. I don't know about you, but I'm happy when a brother or sister gets a promotion on the job. I am happy when a brother or sister gets a house. I am happy when they get a new car. I'm not jealous of that because I don't have to pay for it. So you can rejoice with them. And maybe if we learn to rejoice with people instead of being jealous of them, God may bless us with some of that. But we're quick to to, to get envious and jealous of people. So don't get upset when somebody is recognized for them doing something. You need to look at yourself and find out, what am I doing? If it's nothing, then that's why you haven't been recognized, because you're doing nothing. Don't be getting jealous. The text says it does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love does not brag. Love is not in your face every time telling you what I've done and what I've accomplished and all this kind of stuff. So if you got to always start a conversation with my name is Dr. Uh, uh, miss this, I am this, I live here, I drive this, Something wrong. Let someone else compliment you. Let someone ask you, what is it you do? Not the first time I meet you, you're running down your resume in front of me. Love does not parade itself. It doesn't parade its accomplishment, does not boast. Then he said, love is not puffed up, love is not arrogant. Love does not have the big head walking on air, walking on people. Now, I've just gone through a few of these, Uh, you know, you don't have to answer out loud, but I hope some of you got some check marks, not exits. We're going to keep going on. He says, does not behave rudely. Love acts like your mom and daddy raised you right. Love acts like you got some manners. Somebody has told you how to say thank you, a yes ma'am, a no sir, please. All those words that we sometimes forget when we become adults. Because some people are just downright rude. And you wonder who raised you, a person or an animal? Yes, I said a person or an animal. Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. Love is not looking to always have its way. So, in every situation, you got to have your way. You always got to be right. You always got to be top dog. You are an unloving person. Because love cares about the other person, love wants to get the other person involved. And so, you can tell if you're in a ministry with a loving ministry leader. They work to get everybody involved. They want to consider or hear what everybody's thoughts are. It's not a one-way street. That's love. He says, is not provoked. Love is not easily angered or irritated by things people say and do. I think I need to say that again. Love is not easily angered or irritated. Some of you at the drop of a a penny will fly off. Somebody doesn't do it your way, doesn't say it the way you want it to be said, you're ready to fight. And it may not be with fists, it may be with words. But you're combative. You need to recognize that's not love. Notice I said, is not easily angered. So a loving person will not get angry at personal attacks. I I think I need to say that again. won't get angry at personal, oh, you don't believe me. Look at Jesus. Jesus got upset when folk defamed his father. We will sit around and let people dog out God, won't say nothing, but they just touch us and we're ready to fight. If you know who you are, you're not worried about what other folk are saying. If you're confident in who you are and whose you are, you're not trying to defend every lie that comes up because you recognize it's a lie. And people who know your character know it's a lie. So some of you need to stop believing this junk folk bring to you about other people. Those people have not treated, mistreated you. They haven't acted in any way that you're just following somebody who's jealous. You're listening to somebody who they have a grievance or gripe with the person. And they're cowards. And rather than confront the person, they want to dump stuff on you and cause you to act a fool. Too many of us have gone off half cocked on what other people have said. And you found out later you got some bad information. Now you've acted a fool. Will you go back now and apologize? Love will go back and apologize is not provoked, thinks no evil. Love does not keep a record of wrongs done. Brother Brian, you'll appreciate this. Love is not an accountant. Love doesn't use a calculator. Love doesn't keep a ledger. Okay. Some of you know every wrong that has been ever done to you since you were three years old. You get in an argument with your spouse, and you're bringing up stuff you said you had forgiven 10 years ago, and it's still coming up now in a conversation. You're supposed to have erased that stuff, let it go. Why is it coming up now as if it happened yesterday? Because you're keeping a record of wrongs done to you, not realizing you probably wronged some other folk. To put your calculator down, tear up your ledger, and love the person. In this life, yes, folk are going to do you wrong and say stuff about you they shouldn't say, but you need to recognize chances are you have done that somewhere in your lifetime also. The text says, does not rejoice in iniquity. Love takes no satisfaction in sin. Love takes no satisfaction in itself committing a sin or other people. Okay, said different. Love does not engage in gossip. One of the sins that's going to send a whole lot of Church of Christ folk to hell is the fact that they gossip. Talking Evil about somebody and then calling up other people or texting other people or emailing other people about this garbage. Everything that you know does not need to be shared with other people. And it may very well be true, but why you got to tell somebody else about it? If you feel you need to do something about it, go talk to the person who this thing is involved in. seems like we never do that, but we'll talk to everybody else about the situation. Do not rejoice in iniquity and wrongdoing. Don't be happy when people fall into sin. Don't be eager to disfellowship folk when they mess up. You know why? Because you may be the next person we need to disfellowship. And we're very eager to lower the boom on this person, that person, because you don't like them anyways. But you need to recognize there may come a situation in your life well the same measure you use on somebody else may boomerang and come back to you. And then when it does, do not be making excuses. Remember how you castigated this other person. Now accept yours. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love wants to hear the truth. Love does not Get caught up in false teaching. Okay, let me say this. Love will cause you to turn the TV channel or the radio dial from some of these false teachers you all like to listen to. You'll spend more time and money listening to them than you will invest in the Lord's kingdom. How many of you watch George Myers? Now, you know, a lady's not even supposed to be preaching. Why are you watching a female preacher, let alone before the pandemic, going to her conferences. Oh, everybody quiet now. These prophets and apostles and prophetesses that are on the radio and TV, and you plugged in right there with them. Have you not read? Prophets are no longer. Apostles. No longer. So why are you following folk who have titles that the Bible says would cease? So a person who loves wants to hear the word of God. They get excited off the word of God. Now I need you to understand. So the word of God is not always exciting. So I guess that's why, you know, we don't like to hoop and holler at the word. We'll hoop and holler at a song. Okay, I think I said something there. Okay, you guys will catch that later. But the word is not always exciting, but it will build you up. It will strengthen you. It will edify you. It is not always going to tickle your ears, which in many cases is what we want. When you were younger and your mother gave you castor. Anybody remember those days? Or some of those other concoctions that they came up with. That were just nasty going down. But didn't they clean you out? They got rid of whatever the issue was that you had. And so you were thankful that you took that stuff. It just was not good going down. Sometimes a word does not taste good going down. But it will clean you up. And a lover, a person who loves, appreciates that. You and I need to appreciate the word convicting us, the word finding us out, because otherwise you will continue on in sin. The text says, bears all things. Love tries to cover and protect. Love honors people's confidentiality. Love says, I'm not going to let you pick on this person. They're suffering enough already. You need to pray for them, not talk about them. And we have some brothers and sisters who are weak in the faith. And they're not where we think they ought to be. you got to learn how to be patient with them. Stop talking about them. Remember, you were once in that situation. Now, come on up here. All of you who are here now didn't always carry a Bible to worship service. All of you weren't always faithful in attending worship. Some of you didn't even sing when we came up, when we were coming to worship service. You were too stuck on hip-hop. Now look at what the Holy Spirit has done for you. And if he did it for you, you need to recognize he'll do it for other people. But you've got to give them time. And love will give people time because we've already talked about love is patient. Love is long-suffering. Everybody's not going to be on the same page as you. Believes all things. Love is not suspicious. Love is always expecting the best outcome. Because love wants the best for you. Doesn't matter how many times you messed up. Okay? Some of you parents who got grown children, you ought to understand this. You love your grown child no matter how much they mess up. Because that's your child. Doesn't mean you agree with the things they've been doing, but they came out of your body. And as long as they live, you're going to be praying for them and hoping they get right with God. So you believe there's hope for my child. And some of you have lived long enough to see your prodigal come back home. Some of you still waiting for him or her to come back home. But you still believe it's possible for them to do that. That's love. Love hopes all things. It refuses to take failure as a final outcome. So love will allow you to stay with a husband or wife who keeps losing their job. Even if, they're, if it's their own fault. You're not going to leave them because they don't have a job. Because you believe he or she can do better. You pray that he or she does better. And you hang in there. Okay, no amens on that one, huh? Endures all things. Love does not give up on the people it loves. If you love someone, you do not give up on them. You got to change your strategy, and maybe for a while you leave them alone, but you don't give up on them. Because you recognize as long as there is life in their body, there is the potential for change. Yes, they're going to get on your last nerve. Yes, there's going to be times you don't want to be around them, but you don't give up hope on them. Because you have seen how God has resurrected from the dead. God can change folk. Some of you used to be in the club all weekend long. Now you're in church services on Sunday. That's resurrection. That, that's resurrection. Some of you former drug addicts and coke addicts and crack addicts, look at you now. You're in the church building. That's resurrection. And, and we're so quick to just drop on other folk, but you don't look at how, where you came from. Some of you know every nightclub in the Boston area. And the only reason you know is because you're in them. But God has put a new heart in you. So those places you don't even go to, as a matter of fact, you've forgotten their addresses now. God did that for you, and if you stay around Him long enough, He will do even more for you. That's what love does, it doesn't give up. Some of you sitting out here, if folk had given up on you, where would you be? So, when we understand how we ought to behave. How we need to love people, it takes on a whole different approach. You're not quick to just write folk off simply because they don't act the way you think they ought to. Two practical expressions of love. You really want to know if people love you? Be willing to apologize when you're wrong. I think I said something. Be willing to apologize when you're wrong. Now, come on. You, You cannot say that everything you say and do is always right. It is the way you want to do it, but sometimes you and I need to apologize and say, I was wrong, I messed up. Stop sitting around waiting on the other person. And then the second practical way to do this is, is be willing to forgive folk who've wronged you. Be willing to forgive at the outset. Be willing to forgive. Don't, don't hold grudges. Don't, don't let stuff just go on for decades. Right. Thinking it's just going to magically fix itself. It's not. You're going to have to learn how to forgive. If you want to say you are a loving person. And again, we can deceive ourselves and say I'm loving, but when you start measuring yourself about what the Bible says love is, oh, by the way, how many of you got some checks? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you got more checks than you got exits? Well, I just want you to think about that. Because if you got a whole lot of X's, you got work you need to do. And you be honest about that. And work on those things. People in heaven love God. You cannot love God unless you love the people that God created. You hating people on earth? Don't think about going to heaven. And so we have convinced ourselves that I can, we can live a certain way on earth and we're going to die and go to heaven. I got news for you. You're not. There's an occasion in, in um, I think it's Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus will say, you know, if, you, if you're getting ready to go to worship and you remember your brother uh, has ought against you, leave your gift and go get straight with your brother. Right relationships are just that important. It's more important than you sitting up here in the worship service. And we get so uh, immune to what the Word says that we just, I'm going to be at worship service. I don't care. But your worship may very well be in vain until you straighten out this relationship. And if there was real love, you would straighten it out. And you wouldn't just let it linger on. Now, I didn't finish this lesson at 8 o'clock, but I'm going to finish it at 11. So bear with me for another 10, 12 minutes, we'll be finished. And, and so, Jesus helps us understand the importance of love and that it needs to characterize us. You and I need to understand, we can't bypass this. You can't bypass this by sitting in the church building on Sunday. You're going to have to look for it. And love is an action. It's not just a feeling. Oh, when you get some maturity on you, you understand that love is an action. When you're immature, you just think it's a feeling. When you're newlywed, you think love is all about feelings. You've been there 10, 15, 20 years, you know it's an action. I got to make a choice on whether to love or not. And sometimes I got to act loving even when I don't feel like it. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. So in verse number 35 of John 13, Jesus says, By this will all know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. By this, by the love you have for one another. By the love you have for one another. By the love you have for one another. By the love you have, not by how many scriptures you can quote. But the love you have for one another, we have forgotten that that's our mark is a love that we have for one another. The kindness that we have for one another, the thoughtfulness that we have for one another. Not because we take communion every Sunday or we sing a cappella or we give as well, I would say as we prosper, we give and we, we have so built Our foundation on that, that we don't understand. But there's an attitude that goes along with all those things that make them genuine. So just doing the physical act does not mean anything. Believers, we need to love one another. And that means we need to be willing to do right by each other. Whatever the need is that we can meet, we need to do it. Because you need to ask yourself, what do non-believers see when they see us? What do what they see? Are they seeing a group of people who love each other, who care about each other? That's why you got to be careful of your conversations that you have. There may be three or four of you church members at the table, but you got some guests that you invited there, and you don't know where they are spiritually. You need to consider what you talk about there. Because everybody who's around us, ought to know who we are based on how we treat each other. How we treat each other, how we treat other believers. Because some of us would do some things for our neighbors and other kind of people to be hospitable that we wouldn't do for our church brothers and sisters. Something wrong with that. Because his emphasis is how Christians treat one another. So we can have right doctrine, right worship, right evangelism, all that kind of stuff but if love is not there, something is missing. See, love will cause you to be here next week. I like the way I slid that in there. (laughs) Yeah, it'll cause you to be here. Because in reality, that's the only way you're going to be here, because you love God and you love your brothers and sisters and you want to celebrate with us. If that's not high on your list, we're not going to see you. Maybe Wednesday and maybe at the banquet on Saturday. So I'm hoping we got some people who want to rise above doing the minimum, and we're going to sacrifice this week. So as I conclude, I've already said it, but I need to say it again, love is more than a feeling. We can feel one way about each other right now, and two hours later feel an entirely different way based on our mood, based on what's said, and all those kind of things. So, so I can't base my love on you. Because you may say something that tick me off. Or I may say something that ticked you off. And so our feelings get in there, and now you're mad at one another. You don't want to say anything to each other. So love has to be more than that. Love is more than one day. And we're quick to send a birthday card or get an anniversary gift or a Christmas gift. So we love a person two or three times a year. When love ought to be there every day not just on special days. Love is more than some gift you get. I'm amazed at the number of people who try to give people stuff instead of loving them. Because if you love them, you're giving them a piece of you. If you're loving them, you're giving them your time. And in spite of what we think, our time is the most expensive commodity you and I have. Cause you can't get it back. So that which is important to us, we invest our time in. I mentioned at the eight o'clock. We we will people will give you gifts that they don't even want. Stuff that they had in the closet, what do you call it, a regifting. <laughs> How many of you you got some stuff from gifts, they've been in your closet, and I need to get rid of this? And so uh, I'm gonna give this to sister so and so, brother so and so. Because I need to get rid of it. Not because you think it's a good match for them. I just want it out of my house. Okay, I, I think they found somebody out there. And then remember, love is more than talk. See, we can, we can all talk a good game. And when it's time for us to actually be loving, not be loving. You don't believe me? Read about the Pharisees. They can talk a good game. But, but their game was tied up in tradition, and so when it was time to go beyond their traditions or their orthodoxy, they had a problem, which is why they didn't love Jesus, which is why ultimately they sought to kill him. If we are to be the Lord's church, then love needs to be the behavior that people know us by. What are we doing? to make people's lives better. What are we doing to help our brothers and sisters? And we need to be unbiased when it comes to that. Any brother, any sister, and it doesn't even matter if they're a member of another congregation. that's what real, that's that's real love when you're going to help somebody at another congregation. But when we really think about it, isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're all a part of the body of Christ. We're all brothers and sisters, and as we have the opportunity to do good, to help people, we ought to be willing to do good to help people. Now, who's going to be honest that you got more X's than you got checks when we went through a little exercise? Who's going to be honest? Who has the Holy Spirit been knocking on your heart as we've been going through this lesson to say, you need to be more loving, you need to be more kind, you are mean, hateful, and prejudiced, and you don't even know what real love is. You're not going to understand real love if you're carnal or worldly. You got to get in the book. And some of you need to recognize you have no patience. You get mad when things don't happen the instant you want it to. You don't know how to forgive people. You hold grudges forever. And you're always bragging about this, that, or the other. And never demonstrating any appreciation, thankfulness for what God is doing for you. You've got to tell everything that's going on in your life. We need to be a more loving people. And it starts with us on the individual level, being honest. First of all, to God. Secondly, being honest with ourselves. Stop fooling yourself because those of us around you, we already know the truth. Ten plus 11 years, or ten plus one years, you've been here that long, you know the character of the folk here that worship with us. You know the folk who all talk and whose lifestyle is completely foreign to what they talk. So why don't we fix stuff instead of just acting like it's not there? Some of you are too close to the grave to refuse to fix stuff in your life that's not right. Now, if you're not loving to other people, Don't be surprised if people aren't loving to you. You reap what you sow. This morning, if you have a statement, you have a prayer request, you have a confession that you need to make, we're going to give you the opportunity to to do that. If you have not already filled out the prayer request form, please go ahead and fill the form out. Uh, for those who are online streaming, if you have not uh, emailed your prayer requests in, we encourage you to go ahead and do that so that we can assist you with whatever prayer requests. We have a sister whose hand is up over here, brothers, who has a prayer request form for you to pick up. Uh, so please pay attention to the, the hands that are up. Recognize the church's family. So we want to be helpful to our family members. So I've said some of the things I said in today's lesson to be helpful. Now you may take it as mean and all that, uh, but you're not going to provoke me. Because love is not easily provoked. So you're not going to, you can get mad, you can pout. Jaws can have rocks all in them. But I'm going to keep on saying what thus says the Lord is. Because I've got the answer to God, not you. But I'm hoping the Holy Spirit is knocking on some hearts today. And people are saying, I can do better with loving my brothers and sisters. I can do better with acting like Jesus. Because that's what it's about at the end of the day. If you don't act like Jesus, nobody knows if you're a Christian. So if you need to respond, please do so as we now stand and sing.